2: There are hidden opportunities waiting for you in your texts, mm. in your emails, in your profiles, if you choose to take them. Yeah. And all it takes is a couple of word swaps. Re- even reading the word win makes the other person think more like a winner. Yeah. What a gift to give.
1: Yeah, that's cool. The quote that I heard in high school from Roosevelt is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Ah. Saves my life, literally. That's warmth
2: incompetence, right be- there.
1: Because I didn't feel competent my entire school life, right? Mm -hmm. In school, I was at the bottom of my class. I just graded poorly, which confirmed, like, I'm not smart enough or, like, I'll never be able to be as intelligent as my classmates or anyone in the world. So why would anyone like me or trust me because I didn't feel competent? Then when I heard that quote, I go, I have a chance. Like, I can build competence in another area of life. I can be emotionally intelligent and I can show people how much I care. By doing that, that's been pretty much my whole life.
2: Everyone who's listening, I hope, what this shows you is that caring about someone, Mm -hmm. there's multiple ways to do that. Yes, it's emotionally intelligent, but it's also honoring someone's cues or Mm -hmm. gifting them the right cues. Yes. When you make someone feel more like a winner, what a gift you just gave them. Huge
1: gift, you're putting confidence into them. You're speaking joy, confidence into that person.
2: Yes, you're literally gifting them the chemical Mm -hmm. dopamine so that they themselves have more motivation. Yes. And don't we all need more motivation? Absolutely, yeah. So this is called a nonverbal bridge. It's kind of an advanced technique. A nonverbal bridge is a way that we cross into someone's intimate space, but safely. So what happens is when we're with someone, and we want to connect with them. We want more oxytocin. We want to bond with them. Yes. But sometimes it can be hard to break that boundary. A nonverbal bridge is a way that we can create oxytocin with permission. So that could be handing someone something. That could be giving a high five. That could be touching their elbow. And that is exactly what successful pitchers did. They would have a reason or an excuse to, hey, Lauren, let me guide you up here. Hey, Kevin, let me zip on this suit for you. Mm. Hey, um, you want to try this amazing cinnamon roll? And when they did that, they created these small little bridges. So what I would think about is like, how can you create... Bridges to people where you're engaging them even physically right and it's harder on video But in person that was a thing that we found in, that chip right. in the tank
1: How do you do it in a way that the person feels comfortable if you touch them on the elbow because someone may not feel comfortable? Right. So you have to be really intuitive to you know Is this person going to be receptive to me are they already interested enough where I can yes. get closer? Yes, yes, are just, they leaning
2: in yeah. are they giving eye contact are they nodding? Oh, I forgot another one that was really important so vocal power so We hear confidence. we hear competence. And the biggest way that we do this is with inflection. Mm. So the biggest mistake that we make is the question inflection. So the question inflection is when we go up at the end of our sentences, right? (laughs) It's also called up talk. So if I were to-
1: Don't do up talk.
2: Don't do up talk, we're gonna talk about why. So when we use the question inflection, it cues the other person's brain to know, ah, we're being asked a question. The problem is, is that when we accidentally use the question inflection, it makes people question you.
1: Right? They really, they really tra-
2: Right. So what happened is in this study where they looked at doctors, so what they did is they asked doctors to record 10 second voice tone clips mm-hmm. and they said like their name, their specialty, where they worked. So it sounded like, hi, my name is Dr. Edwards. I work in oncology. I specialize in children's medicine, something like that. They took the clips and they warbled the words so you couldn't understand the actual words being said. Then they asked people to rate these clips on warmth and Ugh. competence, Ugh. right? Again, this research has been repeated over and over again. Imagine this for a second, you're asked to listen to a clip of gobbledygook.
1: Yeah, to see if they're competent. See, are they and smart? Yeah. <laughs> are they, well,
2: are they, do you like them? Yeah, and people do it. What they found is the doctors who had the lowest warmth and competence ratings had the highest rate of malpractice lawsuits. That wow. implies that we don't just sue doctors based on their skills. We sue doctors based on our perception of their skills, and that happens in the first few seconds of hearing them.
1: So your communication is everything?
2: Everything. It's not just the words you're using, are they warm, are they competent? It's even how you're saying the words. Uh, I analyzed Jamie Siminoff's pitch. Jamie Siminoff is the founder of Ring.
1: That didn't get any money, and then it sold for a billion dollars. Think, yes.
2: Here is a brilliant guy, right? Jamie Siminoff is brilliant. He had a successful product, right? Ring is a very successful product. Amazon acquired it for over a billion with a B dollars. Yet he goes into the pitch in the shark tank and he pitches and he doesn't get a deal. Why? That pitch plagued me because I was like, here is a smart guy with a great idea. But his cues were the problem. I think he lost the deal in the first 10 seconds of them hearing him. And the reason is, is he made the choice to close the doors to the tank so in his pitch, he doesn't walk down the hallway. You don't see that long first impression. Mm. You don't get public to social to personal. He closed the doors. And what he did is he went, he knocked on the door of the they're shark like, tank. Hello, who's and there? They're like, uh-huh. they're like, hello. And he goes, it's Jamie. So he asked his own name. And when you're a shark and you're trying to make a very quick first impression of someone without seeing them, and you hear the question inflection not supposed to be used on a statement, you immediately begin to question, I don't know. And that is also because we know that liars are more likely to use the question reflection. If you've ever played Two Truths and a Lie, you ever played that game? Yeah. Okay, (laughs) so Two Truths and a Lie, here's a little tip for everyone. If you ever play that game, people almost always ask the lie. So they'll be like, oh yeah, Two Truths and a Lie. I uh, have a goldfish, I am a vegetarian, and I love dogs. They almost always go up on their lie. And that's because when we're lying, we don't know if you believe us.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: subconsciously, we give it away. So Jamie starts his pitch. And he doesn't have a first impression. He doesn't do any greeting in the hallway. He misses that whole walk-up. The very first words out of his mouth, doesn't even matter what he says, is... Uh-huh, 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 but up, that mm-hmm. up top. And then Mark Cuban says, are you here to pitch? And he says, here to pitch? Again, using the question inflection. I think that what happened was, is it gave away his competence. And then the doors open, right? And he explains this idea of ring, it's a doorbell. The problem is, is his first impression was very low in competence. And so he had a lot of trouble having the Sharks take him seriously.
1: He was a very competent individual building his business, right, he was very smart, intelligent, knew the technology, how to build product, teams, all these things, get sales, whatever it was. But the warmth wasn't there as well, it seems like, right? (laughs) like the trustworthy, charisma, warmth, Yes, Confidence he side.
2: under-signaled every step of the way. Mm-hmm. So he under-signaled warmth, he under-signaled competence, and then was trying to dial up competence. Man. And you hear in the rest of the
1: pitch, he's... he's trying to build it back yeah. up. He's like, "Yes, but we've done this, and look, we've got this, this technology. And this, and
2: this money, and then this. And so he cannot get it back. He could wow. not get it back. And so I think I watched that pitch, and I break it down in the book, of what happened to this brilliant guy who yeah. had one bad day. You know he scripted those answers, he prepared for that pitch, and he had really good verbal answers. There was even a couple times where I think this thing happens for people who over-rehearse. So if you have an interview or a presentation, what do you do? You rehearse it, right? You practice the perfect answer. That can get in your way, though, because if you practice the perfect answer, this is exactly what happened to Siminoff, and very highly intelligent people do this. He would hear a question from a shark, usually a challenging question, because they were, like, really pushing him on the deal, and they didn't believe him. No one believed him. They all thought, oh, no, it's too crowded of a market. It will yeah. never work. He literally said that to him, OK, <laughs> I have a ring on my front door. He couldn't even leave him because what would happen was is they would ask him a question. He would start to answer it organically. And then he would switch into his rehearsed answer. Oh, man. So you would hear, oh, oh yeah, yeah, we do have market track. Our market traction has been wonderful. In fact, in the last mm. five years, we've done X numbers. And you would be like, who is this robot?
1: Yeah, just. Say what's on your heart. Yeah, yeah, just say it organically.
2: Right, and so I think you can be the smartest person in the world, you can have the best ideas, but if you don't share them right, you're not helping people help you.